Welcome to the Conservation Queens podcast. We are five girls who love the earth and have a passion for living a more eco-friendly life. We are real-life Sioux employees. As always, nothing that we say reflects our organizations and all of our thoughts and opinions are our own. Please keep in mind that we try to keep our podcast around PG-13. So if you have any younger listeners, you may want to review the content beforehand. I'm Emily A. I'm Emily B. I'm Katie. I'm Kinsey. And I'm Abby. And with that, let's talk about stuff. Woo. Woo. Okay. Uh, first off, fan shout out. Happy birthday, Emily. Woo. It was a little bit ago, but we're celebrating now. And this is her episode. This is and her it's birthday. Be great. Yes. I'm so with so that, excited. conservation updates. Chaotic. It will okay. be. <laughs> I have some really great conservation updates for you all. Um, these all brought me great joy. The first is, and okay, I'm literally going to read you the title of this article because it cracked me up. It is Floating Wally Scarecrow Stop Seabirds from Diving into Fishing Nets. Can you? (laughs) So, there is sort of this like buoy thing that conservationists created that sort of looks similar to Wally. It looks like it has like big googly eyes on it. Um, and basically, it act, acts as an like, aquatic scarecrow to prevent seabirds from diving near it, um, where there are fishing nets set up. So very often, um, seabirds end up being bycatch um, in fishing netting, um, along with many other things that end up being bycatch, unfortunately, in fishing netting, um, which are bycatch is the capture of non-intended animals in fishing nets and lines and unfortunately about 400,000 birds worldwide every year um, die due to this so conservationists were trying to figure out how maybe they could prevent some of that um, and they came up with a scarecrow buoy system that looks sort of like Wally from the Pixar movie Wally <laughs> I mean um, if yeah. it works it works yeah it, it was about um, it said it had success it decreased the number of um, ducks loitering around gill nets. And this was a like kind of like a trial run in Estonian waters by 25%, which is a pretty significant amount. And they did notice that when they removed the buoy, the birds like came back to that area. So it definitely prevented them from going over there. Um, It just kind of is like, they see something that's big with eyes and they're like, Oh, I should definitely avoid that area. Same idea as like a scarecrow on a farm is a uh, try to get the crows to stay away. But, you know, yeah, crows are smarter than that. Crows are smarter than that. So they kind of figure it out. But uh, that's the idea behind it. So I just that that title is what really got me on that <laughs> conservation news. Um, this one is also hilarious. So this one is actually about giant river otters in Amazing. Argentina. Topical. Uh, Um, So they were actually thought to be extinct in Argentina, the giant river otter. And lo and behold, um, recently a giant river otter popped out of the water right next to uh, a canoe containing, of all people, the director of conservation at Rewilding Argentina. (laughs) What had happened? So literally this guy was like, (laughs) it's so cute. This is a quote from the article. He said, it reared up so its white chest was visible, which I recognized as the giant river otter immediately. 
at this point, your legs go weak and your heart starts beating faster. So, like, isn't that, isn't that adorable? Wait. So, yeah. This is actually really cute news because um, isn't it National Otter Day? It's World it Otter is. Day. It's World, wow. Otter Day. It's World Otter Day. Y'all, it's like we planned that. That's crazy. Except we I'm did it. To ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot wait for you Ow. to ruin World Otter Day. Oh, you good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything's fine. Um, so they found out that they um, may have missed a population, like a small um, group, family group that was living in a river in Argentina. Um, and this guy that saw the river otter is actually part of a project um, where they are looking to relocate um, otters to this area that he f- saw that otter. And so he's like, OK, great. <laughs> this is perfect. Um, he's, so he's currently spot. working on a conservation plan to reintroduce giant river otters to Argentina, to the very park in which he spotted it. Um, and it also includes reintroductions for some other animals as well, uh, which is really cool. And if you didn't know, giant river otters are known as the wolves of the river because they are the top predator in that ecosystem. So uh, they're really important. And they're scary. We talked about uh, trophic cascades. And I'll let Kenzie talk to you a little more about otters later. But (laughs) boy, oh, boy. I just thought that was real cute. And then the last one I have is um, that there were tadpoles that were airlifted um, by plane um, from Florida to Puerto Rico um, this week. This was really recently. Um, And helping to save their species. So this was actually at Zoo Tampa. This is kind of going into zoo news. Um, zoo, uh, zoo Tampa actually um, breeds the Puerto Rican crested toad, um, which is was thought to actually be extinct on the island um, due to habitat loss from urban development, natural disasters, and competition from invasive species. Um, there are about 3,000 of them now remaining in the wild in Puerto Rico, but um, that is in part uh, due to conservation efforts by places like Zoo Tampa and places in Puerto Rico. But basically, they raise the species at Zoo Tampa, and then they ship them on off to Puerto Rico to live out their life in the wild. Um, but the goal is to repopulate that species there, so... I just think that's real cute. These little tadpoles took a little plane ride and uh, now they're living it up in Puerto Rico. So Amazing. That is pretty cute to imagine them just like, you know, sitting in their little pond. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> they're in actually like um, plastic bags it looks like from the picture in the article sort of like you know when you get a fish at the pet store or something. Uh, yeah. Um, yes. Um, I, the zoo I worked at used to have, we used to do that with Wyoming toads. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, yeah, they get like these big plastic bags, and there's like a certain amount of air in them, so they can survive for a certain amount of time in the yeah. plastic bags before they reach their final destination. There you go. So amazing, cute stuff. That's all from me. Go all more right. into zoo news for us, shall you, Abby? That I shall. English. And I have a. <laughs> we love it. I have another fun idiot story. Are you ready? I'm ready. Katie, you're going to get really mad. No, I already am. I already read it. I'm already mad. Okay. Well, a woman decided to jump into a spider monkey exhibit at the El Paso Zoo to feed the primates hot Cheetos. Great. Amazing. I hate everything. Uh, My favorite part is the zoo director has said, quote, she was stupid and lucky. Maybe we should have just said stupid. (laughs) Well, she was lucky because she didn't get hurt at all. That was why they said she was lucky. Um, Yes. So now what they're concerned about is the health of the animals from 
an unusual thing in their diet and that the relationship and trust with keepers that they've built with them for a while now has to be reconstructed because this woman kind of ruined it. So that's upsetting. um, My favorite part about this is she did get fired from her job as a personal injury lawyer. That is so dumb. So I'm going to skip to my third story because the last one's a cool one. And this one is uh, semi-cool topical. Uh, The federal government has seized 70 big cats from the tiger King zoo. Um, Yay. I don't know if it's is that good or is it bad? Uh, well, it's good I mean, because it's um, it just makes me sad that they were all there. <laughs> it yeah. makes me sad that they were yeah. there, but they cited um, neglect and unsuitable habitat, shocker, um, right. and a violation of the Endangered Species Act, shocker, uh-huh. for having these animals in the conditions they were in. Um, some of the big cats were moved to a sanctuary in Colorado, and many that arrived were underweight, full of parasites, and covered in flies. Oh, poor babies. So hopefully the sanctuary in Colorado um, will help them get back up to full health. And hopefully we're going to be able to find some places for these big cats to live out the rest of their lives happily, healthily, safely, and without having snot-nosed people abuse them. Correct. Now if we can shut down all of the rest, that'd be great. (laughs) Yeah, the, the one thing that they talked about in a lot of the articles I read was that this was kind of off the 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 owners were complaining that they got these animals to each of them because it was just because of the media attention but that's my one concern with this is like because this is an actual tiger king zoo with the tiger king animals so now we have to hold the other ones that are like this accountable even if they're not associated with joe exotic they need to still be held mm-hmm. to the same accountability right. level completely agree um and now a fun one uh, we have to take another vacation because the Akron Zoo this weekend is unveiling a new wild Asia exhibit and it was $17 million and it looks oh, amazing. Animals Ooh. include Sumatran tigers. Nice. Very cool. Red pandas. Yes. The best. Very cool. <laughs> and white cheeked gibbons. Yes. My favorite Sorry. primates. Yeah. That's I right. just like their songs. Um, the focus of the exhibit is on deforestation and palm oil. Wow. We Hello. Love it. We literally love it. And the effects that it has on the animals and what we can do to help. They literally cited in the articles I was reading the palm oil app um, huh? as like a focus for this exhibit. So we need to Where go. Where is this? Where? Akron, Akron, Ohio. Okay. I'll go to Ohio. Again. Ohio's kind of killing it with their zoo game though. Cause they've got Cincinnati. That's they've got true. Akron. They've got. That would be a good zoo trip. Do you guys want to just go to Ohio? Yeah, I'm game. Yes, it's time for Beluga News, the best news. Um, there's so much Beluga News. Almost all of this happened, like, literally right after we recorded our uh, previous episode. So I was like, oh, no. Um, but it's fine. So the first and arguably the most important is that there is a new baby Beluga that will be coming soon to a Georgia aquarium near you. Yay! Very excited. Um the mother's doing great. They expect the baby this summer. And so little baby Shyla, uh, who just turned one, very exciting, will have a little friend. And oh I God, could just cry. cry of adorableness. Um, and then some more beluga news. Uh, one of the belugas from the Georgia Aquarium is moving or has moved already to SeaWorld Orlando. His name is Nunavik. He's 11. And so he's been adjusting over oh, yeah, with... Um, Oliver and Grayson at SeaWorld Orlando. So I can't wait to go see him. I'm sorry, when are we visiting? Soon. And then finally, uh, some really cool zoo- or beluga news is 
So I know we've talked multiple times on this podcast about uh, Mystic Aquarium has been trying to get these belugas from Marine Lane Canada forever. It feels like it's been only a year, but it feels like forever. Um, and there was legal battles on both sides, both the U.S. and Canada, that were making it difficult for these whales to get moved. But they have finally made it. They finally got to Mystic. Mystic has been posting lots of updates about these five belugas. Um, they're doing great. They're adjusting very well. And I think, gosh, they've got to have like, I want to say like 10 or 12 belugas now. Um, they have, I think, one of the biggest habitats too. So very exciting for Mystic. I'm very happy that those belugas finally made it. Uh, every article that I've seen that has talked about these has been talking about how they're using uh, these belugas specifically to take uh, like body measurements from to compare to wild belugas. So these belugas are going to help wild belugas too. We love it. We do. All right, Emily, the time has come. Please Boy, give us the topic of the day. So today we are doing a battle royale of the most chaotic evil animal in honor of my birthday. Um, so if you didn't hear our last episode, I just casually suggested it uh, because of how much I love chaotic evil animals, apparently. <laughs> um like, for example, if you didn't know by now, I love hyenas. Gas. <gasps> um, <laughs> they are surprisingly very chaotic. Everyone just thinks that they're just a little casual little scavenger. Nay, nay. Who that? We've seen the Lion King. <laughs> they, uh, there was, okay, there was a study that I read. Um, if I remember correctly, they were like a small antelope. Um, hyenas killed several and when i say several it is if i remember it is close to like a hundred oh my god animals, all in one night and didn't eat them just killed them and then moved on to the next for funsies with the girls you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's one heck of a girl's night it was a bachelorette party okay oh well if that's the case uh, oh so um i don't know you guys tell me what does chaotic evil mean uh if you are a D&D player, shout out to my D&D group. We haven't had a meeting in like a year, but we're still in the middle of a campaign. Uh, chaotic evil is an alignment on a D&D chart. And alignment is when you're building your character, it is a kind of explaining how your character makes decisions. So it's there's- more compass. Yes, they're more compass. There are nine different alignments you can have. If you want to go look them up, you can. But basically you go between- Lawful, neutral, chaotic, lawful, a good, lawful, good, neutral, and evil. And there's like a chart you can make. It's like a Punnett square. And um, chaotic evil means that you follow your own rules and do it for all the wrong reasons. (laughs) So that was the kind of animals that we're working with. Yes. Um, some of the things that can make an animal uh, chaotic evil. Uh, exhibit A, killing for fun. <laughs> killing for fun. <laughs> <laughs> At dolphins. <laughs> I would like to put this disclaimer out there before we continue on with this episode. No animal is like really evil. This is, we're getting kind of anthropomorphic here. Oh, you yeah. know. Oh, this is um, all a joke. Just to get, <laughs> yeah, just to let y'all know that. Um they're neutral, but anyway, but this, yeah, this is for funsies. We're going to teach you about some animals that we find chaotic. And that's, you know, if they sort of lean on the evil side, 
Yeah. Who are we to judge them? Exactly. What us as humans perceive as evil, because evil and good is a social construct. You get it. That's, that was what I was trying to say, but better. Thank you, Kenzie. <laughs> You're welcome. Kenzie's a poet. True that. Really is. I appreciate All it. All right. So who's up first, man? I think it's Abby. It's me, and you know it's a bird. Um, I would like to shout out Daniela, who also works at a facility with us. She's a bird keeper. And I was telling – she just started listening to our podcast. And, by the way, she loves us. So we love Aww. you, Daniela. I love her so much. She's one of my favorites. Um, but we I was having a lot of trouble figuring out what animal to do. And I mentioned the topic and she was go, she goes, Oh, pea fowl. And I was like, You're correct. That is the correct answer. Um, she also gave me an anecdote that she told me, and this is a quote. I've never had to treat a bird like a primate before until I met this specific peacock. So she, she literally had to like do no contact with him she she would have to like open doors to let him through and then close the door behind him before she moved to the next section like insane because <laughs> this peacock was crazy I so it. i always I, think it's funny that zoos have them usually as free roaming animals we're talking Whether, about it we'll get okay. to it because it's it doesn't make any sense to me well no. i can tell you um to attest just how like crazy and dumb they are uh there were there was a barn that we used to keep our horse at and there were always peacocks there and if you had a black car the peacock would walk up to your black car and just incessantly peck at your car because it's pecking at its reflection reflection yeah for literally an hour like we'll also get to that (laughs) uh i think i have a pretty good chance of actually winning this one which is great because i've never won one before um (laughs) Probably just from our own anecdotes alone, but I also have other things to talk about. Um, I will be referring to them as peafowl, not peacocks. A common misconception, a peacock is a technically only a male peacock. The females are called peahens, um, but colloquially peacocks is, it refers to both. But I'm going to refer to them as peafowl because I'm a bird nerd and it makes me mad. So (laughs) Uh, here we are. There are uh, three different kinds of peafowl. There's the Indian peafowl, which is the one that everybody thinks of. The green peafowl, which looks like an Indian peafowl, but greener. And the Congo peafowl, which is from Africa. They're super cool looking, um, but they're not as pretty as the other two. So, sorry, I guess. Um, As pretty as they may be, these birds hide nothing but chaos in those beautiful feathers. Uh, So, like Emily mentioned... Have you been to a zoo with three roaming peacocks or free fowl? Probably. They're terrifying. Uh, they run at you, they bite you, and they'll chase you. And I have examples. Or they'll flirt with you. Wait. I, we'll get I, there, I, too. I looked up a picture of the Congo peafowl, and I'm not kidding. They look like a uh, weirdly colored turkey. Yes. <laughs> They're so strange, but I love Ooh. them. And they might not be chaotic evil as much as the other two species, but the Indian peafowl is certainly chaotic evil. Um, so in the last 10 years or so, zoos have started to phase out the roaming peafowl for, to no one who works at the zoo's surprise. Um, one zoo said it's because the population literally got out of control. Uh, I think the exact quote was, they would go under the shed, Two would go in, six would come out. 
Oh my god. Because <laughs> they were breeding like crazy. Because they don't follow any rules and they do what they want. They have no moral compass. Um, not one, not two, but three zoos had a peacock land on children and attack them with either their beaks or their claws. Yep. Boy. Yep. Yep. Uh, to the point where these kids had to go to the hospital. It was oh, really wow. fun. They've also been known to damage cars, like Emily said, um, including Elvis's, the king of rock and roll's car. He used to have Pete Fowl roaming around uh, the oh, jungle room. Dude. And then one day they broke out and got onto his golden car and ruined it. And so they went to go live uh, at the Nashville Zoo instead. Amazing. Wow. Which is really funny to me. Um if you're not scared of them, I think you're wrong because they terrify me and I'm a bird nerd. Um, they're very aggressive if you tease them, but I said that's fair because I'm you also aggressive them. if you tease me. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Because, like, people who taunt zoo animals, they're like, oh, they got mad. And you're like, I wonder what that could be from. <laughs> wow, shocking. Uh Kenzie, they dig up all the horticulturists' hard work because they look for bugs. So they dig up all the flower beds at the zoo. If I Weird. see a peacock digging in my gardens, it's on site. <laughs> I am not afraid to slap a bird if they go through my roses. <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be that aggressive, but that's really funny. Don't you touch really my azaleas. It's a joke. But yes, I am very particularly protective of my plant babies. I love it. Well, yeah, peacocks ruin it, and that's been known again. It's it's a common thing in zoos and aquariums, which is just really sad. Because um, horticulturists work really, really hard. Um, and then we get to mating season. So it doesn't matter which side of the equation you're on, because female uh, peacocks are extremely protective of their nests and their eggs. So they'll peck the shit out of you. And then males literally mate with anything they see. Reasonable. And they're big, so, you know, unfortunate. Sounds like a bad time. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, would, I would agree. Um, peafowl are also scavengers. So they eat whatever, which makes them difficult in zoos, especially. This is, this is more of a niche thing, but, like, can we just get animals that won't eat what they're not supposed to? These guys won't do that. They'll eat everything, and that leads to a lot of medical issues. So, uh, finally, peacocks escape all the time. I know at our facility, uh, during one of my internships, that a peacock escaped and was gone for a week. And they knew where it was, but they couldn't get it back because it was so aggressive. Um, but, yeah. Peafowl escape all the time. It's made them into an invasive species in several places, including Florida. Yeah, they're everywhere. Are we they're surprised? They're invasive here? They're invasive here because they've um, become feral from either people having them on their farms or people having them in, as free-roaming oh. zoos. And right. then they yeah. now, like, roam neighborhoods and terrorize houses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, they're they invasive here. my horse. My horse is terrified. <laughs> As they should be. <laughs> I feel like that's fair. Um, the zoo I worked at had the when I interned at had um, free roaming peacocks, but they weren't 
our peacocks like they were just in the area and they were like hey we can get food here and they like hung around so like we couldn't do anything about them like you know they'd be walking in the guest pass and they'd be like oh are these your peacocks and i'd just be like no (laughs) because they're they're chaotic a nuisance and evil (laughs) they would always try to either they'd see their reflection in the golf cart tires and they'd attack our tires they'd just start fighting them because they fight each other the males um or they would flirt with me and they wouldn't let me get into enclosures because they'd block the door and then just open up their feathers and uh dance at me and i would be like i I am not i'm not a peahen please stop i'm glad they didn't run at you and start mating with your leg because that was another they did not they never did that thank god there was Uh, another um article i read that talked about how the peacocks would do that that is really traumatizing I feel yeah. like it would be, yeah. yeah um, I wouldn't enjoy. Uh, another point. Have you heard them make noise? Uh, I'm going to play you one, and you can't tell me it's not a demon screech, but I've heard that Emily actually has a really good imitation of a peacock. Oh, so. I would not go that far, but... <laughs> but you should still um, do it for us. Oh, boy. Okay, you ready? I got a, I got a zen out here. And on my inner peacock. Oh! <laughs> That's too good. Oh my god. Okay, I'll play you the real one and then we can judge how accurate it was. <laughs> From the pits of hell, I'm telling you. <laughs> it just literally gave me flashbacks. It sounds like an air raid siren, I'm not going to lie. That's, yep. They probably modeled air raid sirens after peacocks because they're like, you know, it's going to scare people into like doing what they want. This. You make a fair argument. So uh, it's a demon screech. I hate it. Uh, also, because they're part of the pheasant family, they have spurs on their legs so they can murk their enemies. Murked. <laughs> Murked. Uh, so that is a reason enough for me to not go anywhere near a peacock ever. Um, but in conclusion, peafowl are scary and chaotic evil. I've never heard a nice story about one at the end. <laughs> 12 out of 10 would not recommend. They're not my favorite. Um, but I'm very excited to hear about Kenzie's because I also have heard stories about these ones and I'm excited. Lego. All right. You guys ready for this next one? I'm ready. All right, I think these might give your peafowl run for their money, Abby. Oh, boy. I think you're actually right, but I still think that I have picked uh, one that's not as obscure as my other ones. So. Yeah, no, I, I would say I'm now officially terrified of peacocks. Still think they're pretty, though. You could think they're pretty. They are beautiful. They're just evil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of pretty, but morally suspicious... they're on thin ice thin ice very thin ice all right so i would like to apologize in advance for what i'm about to do to everyone's dreams in relation to sea otters it also doesn't help as we pointed out earlier that the day we're recording here happens to be world otter day and to add insult to injury i was scrolling through instagram as one does and i came across a video of my latest celebrity crush ben barnes discussing the cuteness of sea otters earlier this very morning and for that i'm truly sorry to everyone but mostly to ben barnes (laughs) (laughs) here we go 
They so, are cute, though. They are absolutely adorable. Uh, now, there are 13 species of otters worldwide. And here within the U.S., North America as a whole, uh, we are home to two of them. We have the river otter and the sea otter. Now, I'm going to be focusing on the sea otter today. Now, sea otters are the bigger of the two. They weigh in between 45 to about 90 pounds. Oh, so my gosh, that's hefty. Essentially, they're the size of an elementary school child. That's <laughs> crazy. Can confirm. We yes. did. I did have sea otters at the Minnesota Zoo. I did uh teach elementary school children same size mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you heard it here folks now they are also in the mastillidae family this includes weasels ferrets and badgers that might that last one might explain some things yeah <laughs> i does. forgot about i keep yeah. forgetting about that honey badger video and it gets funnier every time i remember it mm -hmm. All right, so there's definitely no denying sea otter's cuteness. They hold hands, they have belted pockets to store snacks and rocks, and they're quite possibly the fluffiest mammal on the face of the planet. Mm -hmm. And Scientifically, they are the fluffiest mammal on the face of the planet. They are. I was <laughs> just about to get to that. Uh, they have no layer of blubber, and they live in pretty cold water off the west coastline of North America. According to one estimate, sea otters have about 600,000 to 1 million hair follicles per square inch, making it the densest for within the mammalian kingdom. Fuzzy boys. Fuzzy boys. They're so, so darn cute. So why wouldn't I want to pet one, Kenzie? <laughs> We're about to get into that. Buckle up, everybody. So why do I place sea otters in the realm of chaotic evil? Great question. The answer <laughs> you may find was actually pretty darn horrifying. Uh, number one, otters eat a lot. And I mean a lot. And I can respect that in and of itself. I, too, can relate. Uh, they need to eat about 25% of their body weight each and every day. This diet mainly consists of crabs, sea urchins, mussels, and clams. Now, because of their voracious appetite, though, it's been documented that otters, specifically male otters, will actually hold female otters pups ransom in order to obtain food oh my god yeah so imagine Jeez. someone comes up to a mother and her kid walking through the parking lot of grocery store and essentially it's the equivalent of holding a gun to the kid's head and telling the mom to hand over the groceries or the kid gets it oh all right yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, this is why we're doing PG-13. Now, this next one, I'm going to reiterate that PG-13 rating. Uh, it does get really dark. Might want to hold this one off for the younger audiences here, or if you're particularly sensitive. Oh, boy. So, sea otters have some of the most brutal and terrifying mating habits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, it, it's accurate. I'm not lying. <laughs> uh, it's bad. Not, yeah, it's I didn't not think we were going of. there. Yeah. Oh, we're going there. Oh, we're going there. We are going all in, baby. It's not unheard of for male otters to deeply wound or even kill female otters while mating. They've actually been known to keep the female otter's head down in the water during Bruh. the ocean, subsequently drowning them. Oh uh, they God. will also bite the noses on the female in order to keep her head down, and it'll leave some really deep lacerations. And I it's don't just like that. It's not a fun time. I don't wait, like that. wait a minute. Wait a minute. Like At that. evolution, why? Why? Darwin. I also have questions for evolution. Uh, male sea otters, it gets worse. 
have uh. also been known to force copulation on baby seals to the point of death. There was a documented, ah, yep, yep. there was a documented incident where this happened for 105 minutes. Stop. Seems yes. excessive. You think excessive? You think that's right? That's right. Sea otters are necrophiliacs. Oh my god! They are the Ted Bundys of the sea, as that oh. one TikToker called them. What's that? What's that TikToker's name? The one who does the really funny. Oh my gosh! Oh my Hold on. One on sea otters. That's I'll so look funny. it up. I'll look it up. Do it so well. Also, do you, you want to be, you be a guest on our podcast? His name is. Ooh, I definitely don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, his username is M-N-D-I-A-Y-E underscore 97. Yes, you should see his videos. He makes excellent videos. But yes, he referred to them as Ted Bundy's of the Sea. And honestly, it couldn't get more accurate than that. Uh, there was one male otter that was being tagged and researched. He was found copulating with a dead female. Several months later, he was copulating with another carcass of a dead female. Traumatized. Marcus does infer that's already dead. My bad, but yes. So, <laughs> sorry to ruin everyone's dreams of those fluffy face, button nose creatures. Mm -hmm. They are quite in fact. There's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> oh no! So this one is less terrifying in my opinion. Uh, they are known to be reservoirs for diseases like H1N1, known also as swine flu, and they have been known to attack humans. However, <laughs> I personally don't hold these last two things against them because whenever you encounter a wild animal, especially as more traffic increases, that's your fault, bro. Wildlife, yeah, you always run the risk of zoonotic diseases spreading. I mean, that's how we got in this pandemic in the first place. And mm -hmm. honestly, if the otter is attacking you, you probably got too close or were being an idiot or both. Yep. Just to be honest here. As a friendly reminder, sea otters are marine mammals and therefore protected by the Marine Mammal Protection Act of 1972. <laughs> Excellent, <laughs> Emily. I like it. <laughs> Can't screw with them. Mm -mm. Wow, Kenzie, that's that's awful. Why do we even have sea otters? You find yourself asking. That's another great question. So, despite some of the horrific evidence, <laughs> I, I legit thought you were gonna say, I don't know. We just did. <laughs> no, it gets a little better now. Despite the evidence you've shown to the court, yeah, <laughs> we do still need sea otters. They're known as keystone species. Now, for those of our listeners who aren't sure what keystone species are, are need a little reminder. Essentially, it's just a species within an environment that other organisms depend upon for survival. So these guys help to keep kelp forests from disappearing by preying on sea urchin populations. Kelp forests are reservoirs for sea life and are natural carbon sinks too. So they also help combat climate change in a way. And again, because they're top predators, they keep balance amongst prey species populations. Uh, one example, they eat crabs. They love crabs. Crabs eat sea slugs. They eat the crabs. Sea slugs get a chance to eat the algae, which keeps the water clean and prevents algae from creating hypoxic conditions. Yes. Now, unfortunately, sea otters have been hunted nearly to extinction. Their fur, as we mentioned before, very dense, excellent for keeping out the cold. Uh, they were prized pelts back in the day, so they were hunted almost to nothing. Uh, and they still face threats today, mostly from things like pollution, commercial shipping, overfishing, and uh, once again, climate change. And we really <laughs> can't afford to lose more. <laughs> 
Now, the pups at least are still really cute, and I don't know about you guys, but I probably wouldn't have made it through quarantine as well as I did without cute videos of sea otter pups squeaking and everything. Yep. Uh, and they're generally a great flagship species to win people over into supporting marine conservation. And with that being said, again, I apologize to everyone. Ben Barnes, please forgive me. But now you know! <laughs> I hope the more you know. know. I do not... I do not know if another animal can get more evil than that. <laughs> oh, you say that. I, oh. I don't know if oh this boy. makes you feel better or not, but to be fair, forced copulation is not unheard of in other species. <coughs> Dolphin. <laughs> I almost did orcas. Ones. I almost did orcas, but I thought that was too easy. I, I also like almost did orcas. In general, yeah, we've definitely talked about a uh, them a lot but anyway. like workers especially are like extra ugh. true chaos all right uh i believe that means it's my turn friends yeah uh so i went back and forth and i have all my honorable mentions here at the end but um we've done the bottlenose dolphin rant we've done the penguin rant so i was like what other marine animal can i rant about today uh, and I have landed on one that I think is truly terrifying, the Humboldt squid. Now, this. I've chosen this squid because I swear there must have been like a PBS documentary or an Animal Planet documentary back in the day where they showed all this underwater nighttime uh, videos of these Humboldt squid like swarms. Mm. And I truly think that that would be my ultimate nightmare. Mm. Uh, so thank you, PBS, for tra traumatizing like seven-year-old Emily. Um, so the Humboldt squid, it looks like a stereotypical squid, but it's pretty large. It's not as big as a giant squid, uh, but they grow from baby to oh adult God. in only one year. Uh, they basically go from zero to a hundred real quick. Uh, they, because they grow so quickly, their appetite is freaking wild. Just like the sea otters, they will do anything to get their food, whether that means eating their best friend or picking oh. a fish, they don't really care. Oh, um, the females can lay up to 20 million eggs in their lifetime. Uh, oh. That is more than any squid or octopus species. So they're just out there making bazillions of them. Uh, <laughs> they do live off of the coast of California primarily. So maybe so they'll go the home scuba diving. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, like California's, California's just made of pure chaos. Well, you know why? Um, sorry, I'm going to get really specific here. Um, really scientific. It's because the waters off the coast of California are an area of upwelling, which means that there's lots of nutrients in the water, which means it can support really dense populations of big animals. Um, hence all the cool wildlife out there. Anyway, um, sorry, I just had to do it. Uh, they have attacked divers. So maybe don't do that. Um, <laughs> okay, I, I swear to you, I just need to find a video of the swarm because your mind will be blown. It's just like squids everywhere. They swim so fast. And they're scary. I mean, have you ever seen a squid beak? It's like uh, that yeah. scene in Finding Dory where that There's giant squid like opens its mouth. No, thank you. There's or plenty like, of pictures on Google. Yeah, I was going to say, or like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean where the Kraken is about to eat Johnny yep. Depp. Oh, yep. yep. That's what it looks like. Yep. It is terrifying. Yep. Zero out of 10. Would not recommend. Uh, I think the way that squids swim scares me. Um, and I think it's because they don't go forward and backward. They go up and down. And that just so seems incorrect. The Humboldt squid is chaotic evil because Emily gets the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. There's more reasons. 
<laughs> yes, primarily because they give me the <laughs> I mean, if you had a group of like a thousand squid, can you imagine the brain power there? These guys are way too smart for their own good. Just seems like they're just setting the scene for like an alien uprising. Uh, do you guys know what diurnal migration is? Yes. Okay, so maybe some of our listeners don't. Um, diurnal migration means it's uh, animals in the ocean and they rise up in the water column through shallower waters at nighttime to eat their food. And then during the day, they sink down lower into the water column um, to hide, basically. So these Humboldt squid are diurnal migrators. That means every day they're zooming up and down between the shallow water and the deep water, which can you imagine if you're just minding your own business, swimming in the ocean, and then all of a sudden, like, 20,000 squid just, like, rise from the deep? Yeah. Again, seems uh, my nightmares. That is something made of nightmares, to be sure. I think yeah. that's called 20,000 leagues under the sea. Truly. <laughs> uh, now, something I, I read a lot of cool articles about Humboldt squid. Um, most of the articles were about them attacking people. Oh. Uh, which is great. But they, people have been speculating how come the Humboldt squid are not giant? Like, how come they aren't bigger than, you know, they are now. Um, and somebody said it's because it's too energy costly for them to be that big to go up and down every day. Whereas giant squid, they just stay down in the deep, dark ocean. So they don't really have to expend that energy. But the Humboldt squid need that energy so they don't get much bigger. Crazy. Um, I found a lot of articles that just said stay out of the water when the giant uh, Humboldt squids are around. Seems reasonable <laughs> advice to me. Uh, another piece of advice I found that said don't try to fish for them because they'll just cannibalize each other. Like, you'll be catching one, and then they'll just eat it off of the line. They'll eat their oh. friend. Oh. Like, Is that really yeah. a friend? I mean, maybe. I don't know. Uh, some final points about these Humboldt squid. Uh, they can communicate. So most squid have chromatophores in their skin, which allow them to change their skin color and skin texture, which is a pretty neat thing to do. Uh, however, scientists that have studied uh, the communication in Humboldt squid have found that they have, uh, basically they can, they can change their pigments of their skin so discreetly in discrete units, which is basically them like flashing a billboard on themselves to say like specific sentences. Oh. Which just, I'm, I'm telling you, we are like one bad horror movie away from the squids taking over the world. <laughs> I'm convinced. And if it was gonna be squids, it would be the Humboldt squids because there's literally a kajillion of them. I thought it would be octopuses, so. Me too. I'm still on that train. I don't know, man. Octopus have the little fins on their head that make me even more scared of them. What? That's so, they're so cute with the little no, fins disagree. on their head. No, disagree. Disagree. You don't like disagree. Dumbo octopuses? No. How dare you? Cephalopods in general. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> okay, cephalopods in general do not live more than five years because they're too smart for this earth. Prove me wrong. Because they're actual aliens. <laughs> I wish they lived longer. <laughs> I disagree. Uh, okay, that's really all I have to say about them is that they terrify me, so I believe that they are evil. Um, they are chaotic, though. They get full points for being chaotic because they'll just eat each other for no reason. Um, I will say, when I was picking an animal, I had a hard time because, like I said, I've given all my big arguments for my favorites, um, like the bottlenose dolphin and the penguin, the ones that I like to just talk crap about. However, I'd like to give an honorable mention to feral cats for being truly chaotic evil. Yep. Bottlenose dolphins and penguins, of course. So accurate. I and think orcas. we've said. I think yeah. we should actually do an episode in the future on feral cats and why. 
Yes. And just, I think yeah. Fun yeah. About Let me go off. We can do yeah. it. All right, Katie, bring us home. Oh, yeah. I'm excited about this. So um, for my chaotic evil animal, I chose a very loved and very popular um, animal that you all know. It's a flamingo, flam jam, if you will. Flam jam, um, thank you, man. Flamajamas, flamingos. Little children like to call them mingos um, when they see them, and that makes my heart really happy. There's I mean, called them like, flamingos, just to confuse people. There's one family I met that called them pink parrots. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Not, not really. Huh. I'm just saying. Interesting. Huh. Well, anyways, so flamajamas. I'm going to start off by saying that flamingos are always at zoos. Wherever you go, they're always a flock of flamingos. They're fun. They're pink. Everyone knows them and everyone loves them. Well, I'm here to tell you there's a lot more chaos than you think when it comes to flamingos. And I personally believe this chaos leans a bit on the evil side um, in terms of their moral alignment. So we know flamingos are very popular in decorative items like plates, blankets, clothes, literally you name it. Um, I'm actually staring at a painting of a flamingo that (laughs) my boyfriend and I have in our apartment um, that's on the wall right now um i will say in advance before i continue any further i'm very sorry grant my boyfriend um his favorite animal is the flamingo oh (laughs) like absolute 100 percent his all-time favorite and i'm gonna just uh yeah get into this anyway so (laughs) we we see them on all this merchandise flamingos are so popular because of their color and shape but what people don't know when they're looking at all these flamingos is that this animal is insane. They are literally the craziest things. Flamingos are extremophiles. Has anyone ever heard of an extremophile before? No, but no. I've been around flamingos enough where I can figure out what that means. What it is. So the definition of an extremophile is an organism that has been discovered on Earth that survives in environments that were once thought to not be able to sustain life. Uh, these extreme environments include intense heat, Highly acidic environments, extreme pressure, and extreme cold. So a lot of times when you think of, well, when people think of like an organism that is an extremophile, um, they think about like cockroaches or um, like krill, um, some forms of algae, like those sorts of things, worms. So that can live in really extreme temperatures or conditions, but you don't usually think about an animal like a flamingo because you just think about their pretty color and that they're an interesting bird. Um, However, they are extremophiles. They um, are found in really large flocks. And because of this, finding enough food can be an issue. Well, They solved this dilemma by selecting a habitat that is so extreme, they essentially have zero competition. What a solution. Take that evolution. Uh, They utilize highly alkaline lakes and lagoons, most of which are twice as salty as seawater. Um, And many of them uh, have layers of crystalline salts on the surrounding mudflats. So these conditions also this this is a fact i found out um they create a stench like 
the anaerobic conditions of these lakes create a stench that is exacerbated by temperatures that can exceed 120 degrees Fahrenheit. Sounds like a perfect vacation spot. I will also tell you, um, um, as a flamingo keeper, that they smell bad anyways. Oh, my God. Flamingos are very smelly because of what they eat and because of how they live. Their poopy is smelly. That's just how it'd be, okay? We can't all have been to wrong poop that smells like popcorn. So flamingos are just stinky birds. But when you put them out in the wild in flocks of thousands in temperatures of 120 degrees in these anaerobic conditions, I don't even want to imagine what that smells like. Okay, evil. Just evil. Um, some of the waters that they live in or are found in are caustic. Um, does anyone not know what caustic means? It burns you. Yes. So it's like corrosive is what that means. Basically. So crazy. Um, so <laughs> this is crazy. A, where was I? Uh, this woman was discovering the first nesting ground of the African lesser flamingo. Um, by the way, there are six species of flamingos, two of which are found in Africa. Um, this person, their name was Leslie Brown. They walked through a shallow soda lagoon where the flamingos were nesting and burned his legs so badly he required skin grafts. Oh my God. By walking through this area where the flamingos were. Um, don't bother the flamingo. They have very scaly legs that are built for surviving in this sort of, um, caustic water. They can even drink some salt water. They have salt removal glands, but um, most are still too toxic. So they either search for freshwater springs or drink from geyser pools, which can be near boiling. So flamingos can literally drink near boiling water and just be chill with that. They're the ultimate survivalists. What? They're crazy. That's so crazy. Crazy. And so, and then on the other side of that coin, at night, temperatures can completely drop and the lakes that they're in will freeze over and they will literally be trapped in the lakes <laughs> until they unfreeze. And they're just chilling there. I was like, this is fine. They don't care. They don't care. Their legs can withstand that temperature. Their itty bitty tiny stick like legs are like, nah, this is cool, fam. I'm fine. I think I'm convinced that they're just honestly too stupid to realize what's going on. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I, I agree that collectively a flock of flamingos definitely shares of only a few brain cells, but I don't know. That's just so extreme. It's like, weird to give them just... a, a yo-yo, too, and they go crazy. So they also can be found in flocks of, like, tens of thousands. Which is just insane to me. Like, that's just... Uh, so imagine, if you will, a flock of over a thousand flamingos hanging out in their caustic lakes. Um, and then, all of a sudden, that giant group of flamingos starts their courtship ritual. Um, where they begin marching in one direction and turn their heads sharply side to side until they find that special someone. But can you imagine that coming at you? Like, I, I would fear, feel the fear of God in me. Wait, the chaos, the chaos in me truly just wants to, like, steamroll towards them while they're doing oh it. Oh, my Girl. God. And just, no. watch, just watch them topple. Emily. Like, oh, my God. Um, I would never actually do that. Okay. 
they would just, you know just imagine that though definitely watch a video of it and you'll you yikes you, you understand the why there's no other animals that adapted to that area it has the same energy of when like the tarpon are all sleeping but they're all facing you correct mm. oh yes and they're just staring so that's it, it another just, point ugh. i have is that uh, the Caribbean flamingo in particular is the tallest species and it can get up to six feet tall. So, for example, in the flock that we have at my zoo, um, I'll be going in there, I'll be doing cleaning, whatever, feeding. And all of a sudden I'll turn around and this flamingo is eye to eye with me. Ah! Eye oh. to eye with me. It's staring into like my that. soul. It's staring into my soul and they got little beady yellow eyes. They're real <laughs> tiny. <laughs> Wait, I love why that, did they... that screams evil to me. <laughs> Wait, I'm so confused. Your flamingos walk straight up to you. Our flamingos yeah. completely well, avoid the keeper. <laughs> our flamingos are ambassadors, so they're very used to people. Oh, okay. we do programs with the flamingos. See, Emily, um, our flamingos are a special breed, I'm pretty sure. But yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so that's one thing another thing is when they do mate and they have their chicks um they feed their chicks a reddish crop milk right after they hatch um so i don't know abby what exactly is crop milk i've always had a hard time describing it um crop milk is like a substance that the flamingos or other animals create in um their bodies that basically takes out all the hard stuff so the babies it's not real milk first mm-hmm. of all because that's a common it's birds like and this is largely birds right but it's this like is, food juice yeah this is only birds it's it's the same thing that penguins do they have crop milk as well where they're basically regurgitating food back but softer up <laughs> after <laughs> yeah but softer after they've gotten rid of the hard bits right so the thing with flamingos is they sure do that, except their crop milk is red. Oh, so it, um, so like it literally looks like blood. Yeah. Oh, yummy. It looks like they are oozing blood into the mouths of their chicks. Delicious. Yep. Isn't yummy, that fun? yummy? Isn't that so fun? That's pretty so, metal, actually. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> metal. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Metal. <laughs> but yeah not chaotic at all um they also have special this is kind of just a fun fact i'm throwing in here it's not that chaotic um they have the most specialized filter feeders of all birds and most closely um their filter like um, system in their beak is not really comparable to any other bird it is most closely most closely resembles that of baleen whales amazing so that's just neat because they strain everything out of the water i mean you're they're in this toxic (laughs) environment so they really need to get the food out of that water so they strain small things out of the water like blue green algae brine shrimp and um, other small invertebrates and sometimes small fish um, which is where they get their pink coloring from the beta carotene which is a chemical found in these food items changes the color of their feathers but also just the fact that they are pink and like specifically caribbean flamingos are like neon pink is i think wild in itself and you know. they're crazy um couple last points i have they got really long legs i don't know what it is about them but they just they're almost too long. They yes, have the me. longest leg to body ratio of any bird. There you go. That's what why my, 
You know what my favorite thing to watch them do is to try to literally, even the six foot tall ones, try to literally step like three inches up. They like physically can't do it. <laughs> well, that's because what you think is there for any listeners out there. I know you all know this, but um, their knees or what you think are their knees are actually their ankles. Um, their knees don't bend backwards. That is actually their ankle joint. And it's just flexing like we would flex our ankle forward and down when we move our foot. Their knees are actually tucked up under their feathers. Um, if you want to truly be terrified, you can Google a flamingo uh, like skeleton or flamingo anatomy compared to human anatomy. There are There's this lovely graphic oh, yeah. of a human stretched out as if, if they were like a flamingo. It scares me every time I see it. Um, <laughs> really fun stuff. Um, this also, this is what really screams chaotic evil to me is they stand on one leg and we don't even know why. <laughs> um, we don't. Mm-hmm. Scientists still haven't really figured that one out. There are some leading theories out there, but there is not one definite one. I think this is evil and they're just messing with scientists. Do you think <laughs> one day a flamingo is like, hey, don't you think it'd be funny if we like stood on one leg and just confused everyone? And they I don't know also- why. I also heard that a lot of scientists uh, don't know why they make all the specific sounds that they do. So I would believe that. I, I know okay. for Andy and flamingos in particular, their vocalizations haven't really been studied um, very much. So it is kind of still a mystery to scientists. So they make a lot of interesting noises. If you've never heard flamingos, I will insert flamingo noises now. Here you go. Enjoy. Walk. They, sound- <laughs> they honk. They're honkers. They sound they're like honkers. they're farting, and that's what every like a very says. angry goose. They do. They do sound like a goose. That's true. Um, and then my last point as to why um, flamingos are chaotic evil is every time I go take care of them or go in with them in their exhibit, um, they untie my shoelaces. So. <laughs> Particularly, we have one flamingo whose name is Nigel, and he loves shoelaces, but he'll always come over, and he's like, oh, I just, I'm just gonna, if you, excuse me, a uh, great, and they're untied, and I'm like, thanks, Nigel, thank you, that's what I wanted, um, every time, without fail, but I, I also kind of love him for that, but yeah, they're trying to trip me, <laughs> evil, just kidding, disclaimer, I really love our flamingos a lot, but they're also crazy, crazy animals really a sign of resilience and survival if you ask me honestly yeah everyone thinks they're super pretty but they're actually just like the best survivor birds correct well so (laughs) with that being said emily who do you think was the most chaotic evil animal you know I'm so sorry, but it was definitely the sea otters. I'm yeah, it. So no, so ah! I can't blame you for that. That's so that, fair. that was truly not just the most chaotic, but also by far the most evil thing I have ever heard of in my it's, life. Well, once again, I apologize to everyone for crushing your hopes and dreams, <laughs> sweet illusions of the sea otter. And when I apologize to everyone, I really just mean Ben Barnes. <laughs> Goodness. Know, ben, if you're listening to this, I know you never will. But if you are, I'm sorry. Also, DM Kenzie. Oh. Also, DM Kenzie. I mean, yeah. 
I, I am I am available for courting. But. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. We're gonna wrap this baby up. Uh, <laughs> no, you got to keep that in. Okay. Um, so, listeners, we want to hear what do you think the most chaotic eatle? Oh, chaotic eatle. Oh my God. Chaotic, chaotic evil animal, true neutral animal, chaotic neutral. Make an alignment chart and send it to us. We would love to hear your thoughts and maybe we'll mention some of our favorites on our next episode or repost some of our favorites on our Instagram. Yeah. Look- uh this week our conservation conversation we wrapped in quite a few um with our animals but i just wanted to throw in one out here um as usual even the worst of animals usually need our help because the true chaotic evil animal is us you may have noticed that almost all of the uh conservation messages that we shared with the sea otters etc um it's all because of people problems to no one's surprise um, we don't really have any crazy announcements this week. I think next uh, episode will be a biome. So spoiler alert. I don't know if we've picked one yet. So it'll be a surprise to everyone. Um, if you're not following us on our social media already, please do so. You can find us on most platforms by our username, Conservation Queens Podcast. You can email us. You can sign up for our Patreon, brand new, coming Woo. soon to our I don't know. It's live. Near you. It's live. It's happening. Uh, I think we are going to be giving out stickers, which is pretty exciting. Um, we should have those soon. And everything you give us will be going towards improving the quality of this podcast for you. So if you hear us and you're like, wow, is that Emily's dog in the background? Donate $5. And then maybe next time you won't hear that. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Um, that's my plug. All right. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Go out there. Stay sustainable. Bye. Bye. Bye.